Hello, everybody, and welcome to the unofficial Elder Scrolls podcast. I am your host, as always, Pylon, and tonight, despite all of us being goofy with cabin fever, we've got a pretty long and filled out show for you guys. So why don't I start with getting everybody introduced here, and I will start by moving below me to Lost in Hyrule. Lost, you want to introduce yourself to anybody who may not know who you are yet? As he said, I go by Lost in Hyrule. I serve as a moderator over on the BSP Discord and hang out on the wiki and do editing there from time to time. I feel like we should one day change your name to Lost in Tamriel, just for the show at least. Okay. But maybe one day. But um, it would be a one-off because my heart truly lies on the other side. That's fair. We all yeah. like other things. And immediately to his left... Right. Yes, I did it right. No, but his left, because I'm pointing left here, we've got AKB in the middle playing games for all of our live viewers. So AKB, do you want to tell everybody who you are in case they don't know yet? Hi, I'm AKB. I'm an admin for the UESP. I've been with us for about a decade, and I've been all basically, as long as I can remember, a giant fan of the Elder Scrolls series. Awesome. And beside him is Baratron. Baratron, how about your turn to introduce yourself? Um, I'm the guildmaster for our ESO guild on PCNA. Um, I have also been in my house for two weeks straight, and I'm going a little bit mad. Yep, same so, here. Uh, yeah, so uh, you might need to give me a few moments to come up with anything coherent that yeah. isn't immediately typed in the show notes. So for anybody who wasn't watching live, which you can always do on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or Daylight Time, I guess we are now, um, if you were listening to the pre-show for a little bit, we're all a bit goofy, and I think it's because everybody has been locked in their home for the past, like, two weeks now. So this is, like, the most people I've seen outside of my family right now. So This is only my third work day. Oh, man. Yeah, we, we locked down last week, and then our province just uh, announced that like literally all, all non-essential businesses are closed as of tomorrow. So it's going yeah. to be well, fun. You see, we only locked down today, but I've had a cold for the past two weeks. Yeah. So you've been self-imposed lockdown. Yeah. We should let Alara talk, talk about herself. We, <laughs> we uh... were getting there. We didn't need to, <laughs> we don't want to rush the mighty champion of trivia. <laughs> so Alara, do you want to introduce yourself for anybody who may not know, but really everybody knows who Alara is. I'm Alara, and I do a little bit of everything on the UESP, the wiki, admin forum, Discord, and so forth. Awesome. Well, why don't we pop over and talk about all the things that we've been up to while we've been socially distancing everything. So our scholarly pursuit section is the part where we talk about all the different things that we've been up to over the past little while in the Elder Scrolls. Um, I'll start this week because I normally don't start. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit because mine's pretty quick. Um, I haven't had a ton of time, surprisingly, while I've been at home uh, to do much Elder Scrolls content. I've played a little bit on the Switch. Um, I've did the most of the Alakir quest line. So I've got one section left on Cadwell's gold for Alakir and then I have to go over to the last one which I believe is Bankrai 
Yeah, that's what I gotta do. Hey, we could do it together. Okay, cool. That. that was resounding acceptance of that invitation of friendship. Never mind. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's I find it kind of funny when I've been sitting at my computer for eight hours doing work. I as soon as I'm done, I'm like, I kind of don't want to go back and sit on my computer again for another few hours right now. Like when I'm at work sitting on a computer and working, it's a little bit different. But I've been in this office now for the past two weeks, like nonstop, basically. So I'm like, when I get done, I'm like, I'm going to go like a walk or something to try to get out. Um, fun Tired note, of bad screen. I can't wait to get home to look at good screen. Exactly. Now I'm looking at a good screen all the time and it's tiring. Now um, it's time to go look at the highest resolution thing of all. Yep. Uh, fun note, though. Every single person that I've had a video conference call with has commented on the banners behind me saying that they're awesome. So I've introduced a ton of uh, vendors to the Elder Scrolls Online and explained their houses to them. Uh, always did a fun. Also, did you also introduce them to the US, UESP at the same time? I do, actually. I like When they're like, why do you have flags behind you? I'm like, well, let me tell you what I do in my spare time. Um so that's been a lot of fun. Uh everybody call everybody as soon as I turn on the camera has a comment about something that appears behind me. They're like, is that a panda? Or just fun stuff like that. Um, no, that's racist. It's a pandarin. It's a, it's a pandarin. But oops. Uh, <laughs> I'll stop pandering to loss. I'm trying to keep my nasal passages open, by the way, because anybody who's watching on video wonders what the hell I'm doing. This is Orbisoil. <laughs> this is a, a famous European invention for when you have uh, when you have, you know, dot sinuses. Um, in other fun news, outside of every instead of Baratron sinuses, um my house is now open for vandalism. So last week I said I was just gonna get a bunch of people to come in and do whatever they want to the houses. It took a while to get the permissions working properly, but now if you want to go have fun with a house, uh, you can go to my Grand Sigic Villa. Um, I am currently just trying to load as much furniture as I can into there, so I'm just going through all of my houses and just siphoning all the furniture out of them and trying to place it in there. So if you want to have fun and just terrorize a house, just add me as a friend, or if you're in either the Lore Seekers Guild or the UESP guild, you can just travel to my primary residence and have fun. Everybody has decorator permissions. Do what you want to do there. Um, that's pretty much it for me. I've been playing Pokemon. How, how would we get to this house, Pylon? You right-click on my name and click visit primary residence. Standard ESO feature. Yep. That's all we can do there, though. I, I played a lot of Guild Wars 2 which has been a fun resurgence. Hadn't really got much or any gameplay in for probably a couple months. And so I played a lot of that. It's not Elder Scrolls. So I. Sweet. AKB, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Gosh, this is. This is such a painful thing. Just everything's. <laughs> Where to begin? Like. So the world's the, basically gone crazy. Sentence. Start with this sentence. <laughs> okay. Start with this sentence. The world has gone crazy. And I'm just going like, whatever. Like, I'm trying to be chill. 
but like everyone's freaking out. Like I came into uh, this podcast and I was trying to like welcome everyone in going like, hey, this is AKB because, you know, some new people might be there. They might not know AKB, who I am. This, this sentence, AKB, it's the first sentence in your notes. It makes sense to be the first sentence you talk about. Lost, you're so mean. So, the thing is, I was trying to introduce people, uh, just in case we had new uh, people watching the pre-show, and everyone just kept talking over me, like Lost is demonstrating for us here. Anyway, uh, that's kind of just, everyone's just been freaking out. No one's used to uh, being home all the time. It's insane. Uh, beyond that, I watched a very sad video about uh, Leica, the first space dog, um, oh. right before oh, the show sad. started. Why did you watch that? That is really sad. It's so sad. What they did it's... to her was so sad. Oh, it's awful. There's, um, and... there's actually a very good graphic novel about Leica, and I do not own it because if I owned it, it would be tear-stained. You know? it just... But it is a very good graphic novel. Yes, uh... So basically, that's my week, just getting just, interrupted. Oh. Your week is Leica, the space dog, and being talked over by podcast hosts. <laughs> that's the most immediate memories. I mean, if, if I go, <laughs> I can start talking about, like, what the hell is going on with this house? Oh, my house is crazy. He's currently, for anybody who is watching, AKB is exploring the dumpster fire that is the my grand Sigic villa where it's literally just if you see the screen it's just i placed a bunch of random stuff oh in it goodness. so far it's a how nightmare. do i actually move this stuff you should have to go to f5 i believe no that just sends me to the entrance i don't know how you move stuff with decorator mode that's anyway, the water uh, room we'll uh, find it out update later. on uh I'd be on Pylon's, Pylon's uh, notes lied. Yeah, apparently my notes lied, so we'll have to figure that out. I don't even think people are trying to, but everyone is actually talking over AKB. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all just fine with it now. It's just become the new normal. So, Brandon, what have you been up to? I'm going to go start a new podcast, guys. Have a great night. Bye. (laughs) Uh, Kids are suggesting Alt F4. I don't think that's the right command, but he doesn't know. Disregard. Uh, Disregard kids. Anyway, I have mostly been playing Pokemon Shield this week, um, which has been quite successful. And I've caught lots of new Pokemon, and I'm working my way through the story. Is the DLC for that out yet, or no? No, no June, not okay. June. Oh, okay. It comes, out, it comes out nicely for my birthday, which is the same as um, the Greymore expansion or chapter. Which so will you play first? Birthday? Uh, well, Greymore comes out first, so I'll play it first. My oh, okay. is the middle, middle of June. Greymore comes out on June 2nd, which is actually my... Well, on console June 2nd, which is actually my birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Uh, before mine, July 3rd. <laughs> anyway, um, but... in terms of ESO news, uh, the UESP guild on PCNA ran bets on Spire, and we improved our, guild, uh, improved our score from... Uh, had four, which was 72... Uh, up to uh, twenty-seven thousand four hundred seventy-three, which you know it's not—it's not good score, but at least it's not embarrassing. Uh, when the thinkers in 
ESO, um, if a guildmate or a friend completes a trial, then you get a message to say, you know, so-and-so's just completed this trial with a score of this. And apparently our score was going out to 72. Uh, friends or friends were actually sending the messages going, are you okay? Were they okay? Uh, <laughs> well, it was his first ever run. And, you know, obviously on your first ever run, you have a lot of deaths, a lot of deaths, a lot of deaths, a lot of deaths. And it takes a very, very long time. So that's why it's not so bad. Wait, is 72 the score you had completing it? Because I don't yes. know how the scoring system that was the score at the end. I and don't understand gets, how winning the game can have scores varying from 72 to 27,000. Uh, but I've never done them. You get 15,000 for each boss, but you lose um, every time you die, you lose score. And okay. the more time you take over what, um, what the devs think is the correct time, you lose score. So yeah. Okay, so there's a firm maximum in place then? Yes, there is. Well, there's not a firm maximum in place because um, you get a bonus if you complete it more quickly. Oh, okay. So if you complete it more quickly than what, what they think. So all bosses done with no deaths, that means time is the only deciding factor for the rest of the score? Yes, I think so. Okay. Believe so. There may there may be other things that I'm I'm forgetting, but challenge mode or anything. Well, I mean, you can't compare regular Vet Sunspire to if you're doing it in hard mode. Oh, okay. Because if you if you turn the bosses um, in, in Sunspire, each boss has its own individual hard mode. If you turn it into hard mode, then you have the potential for far more points, but you also have the potential for far more deaths. Mm -hmm. You can't directly compare them, but... Okay. Um, when I first read your note, I thought it said you died 27,473 <laughs> times. Like, that was the number I of... So. Like, my brain just <laughs> yeah, mixed no, up no. and, like, put, like, number of attempts in there, and I was like, that's commitment, okay. To be honest, I don't know how many deaths, because... There, there is an add-on which tells you how many deaths each person has during a play session, but I was not informed of it. Is there a minimum score, or can you go negative? I assume you can't go negative. But so you can win you with a score of zero. Maybe I don't, I don't know. the The <laughs> lowest score I've ever seen on Vet DSA, which is Dragon Star Arena in Cragman, is twenty. That is the lowest score I've ever seen. I think that must be the theoretical minimum. So presumably there's a theoretical minimum on Sunspire, Sunspire as well, but I don't know what it is. But okay. 72 is probably New quite challenge. Hard. Yeah, I know. I kind of want to try that now. <laughs> well, it, the thing is, you'd have to just not do anything. You'd have to just go in and, and let the time rack up, wouldn't you? Yeah. That's simple. Or you could Everyone just be go me get a burrito. keep doing things and just keep failing at it. I have a burrito in the other room, but I can't eat it right now. I had a burrito for dinner. Got Chipotle really? delivered. Yes. Um, you, you didn't have dinner before we started. No, I forgot. And then we had Chipotle be delivered, but then it came a little bit late because they ran out of steak. So I have a carnitas burrito waiting, which that, I'm fine. I'm not going to fall apart or anything. That's but terrible. Someone mentioned should, a burrito. I had a steak burrito for dinner. Go, this is weird. yourself and eat it because that's just terrible. Maybe you I ate thought, my steak burrito. Do you think that they deliver from I made my, my place in Indiana burrito. to your place again? Okay. Like Seems I, like, like I went to the barbecue. Are you a are you a steak supplier for Chipotle? 
that's what the kicker is here. Okay. What else is new, Baratron? Uh, well, on the North, Parent, North American PC Guild, we got our Guild Trader back. Yay! After a week without, and that was very exciting. I can sell um, my stuff. Yeah. And apart from that, it's just, you know, the entire UK has to go into lockdown. No gatherings of more than two people unless you live together, and all the restaurants closing even for takeaway and delivery. So, two a little people. bit now. Whoa. Yeah, two. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm a little bit, and, and, you know, considering that I've already been self-isolating because of having a cold and not wanting to catch, because because of my asthma and immune system, I am really good at catching secondary infections. So, you know, I could be a person who has a cold and then catches flu on top. It happens. Um, yeah, I'm just a bit, wow. You're being careful, but it's not fun. And my PhD supervisor sent me a long email today about all the things he thinks I should be working on from home. And I just read it, it was like... Whoa. <laughs> Going back to bed. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, if you can manage to make a cure for COVID-19 at home, uh, that'd be pretty swell. Down toward, well towards your PhD. Not even slightly my area of expertise, I'm afraid. Time to change. You've got a lot of free time now that you're locked in. Time to change what? your area of expertise. <laughs> you work with soil bacteria, now work with viruses. What's the difference? You could do this in a week, right? This is a week mm. work, yeah. It would be like moving from a um, a category one lab up to a category three or four, and I'm I you know no. that's only like two or three more numbers. Yeah. there we go. This is easy, <laughs> guys. We've solved it. Category Everyone will be back to work in about two uh, weeks. Don't worry, oh, guys. Uh, next episode, Baratron will have the cure. Thanks, yeah. Baratron. Yeah, I I know very little about viruses. I'm afraid. Well, you're gonna cure it all, so it's fine. We'll move on to Alara before you can disagree, though. So, Alara, <laughs> what have you been up to? <laughs> Uh, not much, not really anything Elder Scrolls see, but Yeah, Animal Crossing and Doom seem to be taking up the majority of playtime for people on my friends lists in basically anything. That's where I've seen a lot of play there. So, are you having fun with Animal Crossing though? Mm -hmm. I I've never played any of the Animal Crossing games, so following along people talking about it on Twitter is the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. Like people freaking out because there's pears or like their villagers are ugly and they get mad about it. Like it's, <laughs> it's a wild so, world out there. So before I would we be very go further, so before we go any further, we should explain, uh, for those who don't know, uh, animal crossing is this game series where you play this person who travels to hell and no. becomes the mayor of this town no. of demons. No, that was only new leaf. And the demons <laughs> part isn't even close to right. He's doing a Doom just... Animal Crossing crossover joke. Yeah, the, the yeah that was the joke. Animal. Lost didn't get it because. Oh, sorry. Lost I read did... that like the, that. The giveaway for Lost was wait a second, demons? <laughs> well, no, because I read that. that I don't know if it was a creepypasta or not, but about. Yeah, it was a creepypasta of the person stuck in Animal Crossing world and it being this terrible thing. And so I thought you were referencing that. My bad. I forgot the Doom part. The Doom part makes my me happy. Have, my friends have like neatly split themselves into Doom Eternal players or Animal Crossing players, and I know very few people who actually play both. I don't have Doom Eternal, and I have not played Animal Crossing. My wife has been taking the Switch exclusively for a while, but I would play both games. 
I, would I like how there is all the crossover art before yeah. release. The crossover yeah. art was, awesome. was so, so funny. Nice. Yeah. And I love like Pete Hines was just like, they did a, they did a question of like, what games are you going to be? There was like some poll on Twitter or something saying like, what games are you going to play? Is it going to be Doom Eternal or Animal Crossing? He's like, why can't we have the option of both? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like that both, like even the companies just like fully embrace that. Well, that's cool. Um, I figure might as well talk about our news now then, unless Alara has any other late breaking scholarly pursuits. <laughs> okay. The news. Lost would now like to formally apologize for ruining AKB's joke. I um, thought that was just one of the normal him just saying things and I had to correct it so people don't get confused. <laughs> I didn't realize this one was in service of something greater. You needed you needed a sign to say joke. We should have joke It does signs. make it clear. Yeah. Um so Patreon news. Um I don't think we actually announced this before, but we passed a hundred patrons. So thank you everybody who's been uh joining in us. We now have an official thank you page on the wiki which you can go to if somebody wants to post the link to that in the chat there. I'll get it. Good it's job. It's a work in progress. Uh, the guy wanted to expand the concept. Um, so as I was working on it, because I was the person who made it, uh, I kind of wanted to also highlight not just, you know, these are the people who, you know, these are the people who helped build the UESP as well. Uh, these are the people you're helping to support by supporting our Patreon. I like it. It's a great page. Yeah, so make sure you check it out if you want to see everybody who has been around there. Um, still, still not done yet. Um, in other wiki news, uh, you can now find our show notes on the wiki for past episodes of the podcast and current ones. I think if Kiz is on top of things, uh, he is our all-star podcast to wiki translator um so if you want to find any of the show notes which will include links to things we've talked about notes about different lore bits that we've discussed all of that you can find on the wiki uh so we'll post the link but if you just search uh whoa someone just highlighted all the notes <laughs> it wasn't me um yeah no i can barely read those now cool um as another note there are ongoing server upgrades uh there shouldn't be any acts problem accessing the website but we are doing some upgrades so if you notice anything uh i suggest joining the uh discord at discord.gg slash uesp and then you can let us know if you've seen anything funky going on on the website um but that's about it what i'm gonna do is throw over to baratron to discuss some of the eso news while i try to fix the show notes so that i can actually read them again <laughs> uh so the annual justice festival begins on thursday the Sixth at 2 p.m. T. So that's this Thursday. Uh, continues for one week until the April 2nd, 2 p.m. GMT. And you complete the introductory quest to get the Pie of Misrule Memento, which gives a two hour 100% XP buff every time you use it. That can be used by all of, all of the characters on, on an account. And it's the usual three silly daily quests. Um, you know, to catch the pig, set off the fireworks, throw flowers on the grumpy professors, 
you get a Jester's Festival reward box every time you complete a quest on each character. And the first time you complete each quest each day, you're rewarded a stupendous gift box. Um, and these include some items from previous years. There's the Cadwell's Kitchen Arm style pages, where you have things like forks and spoons to fight with. Uh, there's the fragments of the festive noisemaker or Jester's Festival joke popper. There are rune boxes containing whole mementos, which is the uh, cherry blossom branch of Jester's scintillator. And the special new thing for this year are fragments for the Sovereign Sal pet. Uh, you will get a guaranteed drop of a Sovereign Sal fragment within the first stupendous gift box you open each day. Um, so there are also the usual silly achievements relating to the throwing of pie at people. You too can be an empyroar. But um, <laughs> yeah, terrible. I love empyroar. <laughs> Um, and you get three event tickets uh, once per account the first time you complete a Jester's Festival quest each day. Uh, and these can be exchanged for the usual Indrik feathers and berries, uh, missing fragments of the mementos of the pet. Um, and the other, the other new thing here is, is uh, what's called a group repair kit, which apparently will allow you to repair worn-out gear for... Uh, all of the group members in your zone. Now, we don't know how many how many event tickets these will cost yet. We don't know if they can be used in Cyrodiil. I suspect they might be useful in trials, maybe. Um, although, depending on how you look at the price of event tickets, you might think they're too expensive. But, yeah. Um, we'll have to we'll have to see how much they actually want. So remember that you only get the stupendous gift box the first time you complete each quest each day, but you can carry on uh, getting regular reward boxes with all, all of your other characters if you feel like it if you enjoy silly 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 quests i'm excited because wasn't there a patch note recently saying they fixed the um princess quest where you no longer are going to like it's no longer like impossible to do that first part where you like place the app or steal the apples without getting a bounty oh really yeah i think That's... they've they fixed that, that, which is wild. That's awesome. I know. That is quest is the only crime my main character has ever committed. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Also, didn't they mention that uh, that sow pet is going to be the um, the pig that you uh, rescue in that quest? Yeah, yeah that's, you're actually that's the rescuing pig. that pig. I don't quite know how they're going to change the story for that, but we'll have to see. Well, I'm, I'm you probably just get a the... version of it, yeah. So, that's very cool. Um, as well, I think... Uh, no, it could be had an Orbris crate up there, but uh, Gloomspore Crown Cates are now available. Uh, so there's lots of really cool mounts in this one. I'm actually, like, super pumped to not open anything in <laughs> when I uh, get a bunch of these. Um, there's a Dwarven Miniature Sun, which I saw, and it's apparently just, like outrageously bright like it's so bright that it's like it's brighter than the actual sun in eso um there's an arachnophobia emote and the painting of black reach for about 40 crown gems uh there's an angry dust off and let there be lichen emote 
which also the arachnophobia is... is amazing. Basically, you're you you start freaking out. You look behind you, and there's this big spider, like sort of hand sized, I suppose, relative to your character, crawling up your back, and then you scream, and it falls off. It's great. If AK we um, open the mount right now, I'm uninstalled. I just got an apex. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I don't even. I can't even, guys. What did he get? Which one? We're gonna see I'm, in a minute. I'm watching here. the stream right now. <laughs> yeah, he's a little bit delayed here, but we're gonna we're gonna see what one of the new Apex mounts looks like. Apparently, yeah, there it is. <laughs> I think I'm I still. Don't delayed. even yeah. understand, guys. Loomsbob. It's so good. Huh. <laughs> I can't believe this. Well, GG, nice show. Uh, thanks everybody for coming out. I'm just gonna <laughs> You're and retiring from Elder Scrolls. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> uninstall the game. So uh no, so as the you can see, the there's a lot of Lycan is fun as well because it's like mm -hmm. you know when you're at a rock concert and people hold up their lighters? Yeah. Well it's that yeah, with like glowing mushrooms. With the glowing mushrooms, yeah, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um awesome. So yeah, make sure you check those out. The post is up with like the showcase of what's in there. Um, and then as well this week, there was some small fixes on PC and Mac, uh, that was just a very miniature, like it fixed a Nightblade skill, I think. That's basically all. That uh, it did, the so. assassination ultimate. Gotcha. Incapacitating strike. Cause it wasn't working brilliantly because you could still move around while you were stunned. And obviously that's a bit, it's not very incapacitating, is it? Yeah. Kind of doesn't do anything. It fixed that. Awesome. Um, so there was a PTS patch uh, that appeared this week. So Lost, do you want to kind of introduce what that patch was talking about there? It's kind of interesting. So I read the forum post where Gina was introducing it and she made it very it's an experimental they're trying to do because they want to deal with a few of the issues they see with the ESO combat system and try to spruce it up. And they made again, they made it clear that these may not make it to live. They want people to be able to test them out first. So they're sort of revamping what light attacks and heavy attacks do for the game. And again, this is coming from someone who only casually plays ESO. I barely understood weaving until like two months ago. Uh, but what they're doing is instead of resource regeneration being on heavy attacks, they're moving it to light attacks. And they're making light attacks do significantly less damage overall compared to where they're at now. And heavy attacks are where you do a lot more damage dealing. And they're doing something so that if you do multiple light attacks without doing abilities in between them, that causes you to regenerate more. So I don't know the exact numbers. I think 200 was a number I saw at one point. So basically, if you do a light attack, you get 200 resources back. If you do three light attacks in a row without using any abilities, I think you get like 1,200 or 1,600 or something like that back. So you regenerate way more by taking a break to do some basic attacks. From a flavor perspective, I think it makes a lot more sense. I think that sounds like combat will be way more intuitive to it because you're using really powerful magics or powerful like tumbling attacks to use up lots of stamina. And then when you stop and just do a few basic strikes, you're resting, you're catching your breath before your next onslaught. That to me has more flavorful relevance, I suppose, than doing a giant wind up with a hammer and smacking down, somehow giving you more stamina. 
So I think it sounds good, but from a gameplay perspective, apparently they think that this could help refine the way the game plays. But I'd have to start to turn to Baratron or other big players to see what they think about it. The key thing really is that, um, particularly as a healer, I rely on heavy attacks with my restoration stuff to restore resources while I'm casting various abilities. And it's going to be very odd to switch to doing light attacks to restore abilities. Um, Do you think however, you really will? Because have you, you not already been weaving? You don't you, weave, you don't as, weave a as a healer at all? I don't actually no. play a healer. I know as a tank you still, no, no, weave you, a, don't. Uh, you still weave a bit and with DPS obviously you're weaving, but I didn't know if healers weave. No, because because healers are not uh, in a good group. You're not supposed to really be doing any any DPS at all beyond what you what you put down with your various spells. Dots. Yeah. Mm. So what you are doing is constantly regenerating, so you can heal, 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 heal. And uh, so that is going to seem weird, but for my damage dealer, I think I'll find this a lot easier because currently what you have to do, and it says in Gina's notes here that. Um, the current gameplay tends to reward players for pushing buttons as quickly and efficiently as possible. Players with high actions per minute significantly outperform those with low, action, low actions per minute as they have better uptime of abilities, higher mitigation, much higher damage per second, and can simply move around the battlefield better. And that is something I feel I have tried to get my, my DPS up. Um, on my Magicka Sorcerer, you know, good players are doing... 50 to 75 K damage per second. I, I can do about 20 to 25. Um, and I have practiced and I do use the right set, but I just simply can't move my hands any more quickly. So I don't know. I feel that it may achieve what they're trying to do, which is to <laughs> raise the floor, lower the ceiling. They're trying to make, because obviously there should be a skill gap. It should be that players who play more, get better at the game than players and, and, and she definitely back. acknowledged that that they mm. don't want there to re remove a skill gap but they think that the the width between the floor and the ceiling is too large as it currently stands which is what you're saying yeah i think i think it's absolutely fascinating it's a great idea and all the people who are whining on the forum need to go and test it yeah yeah well cause because i know like if you look at the forums like almost I feel like it's weekly you go in there and the biggest forum on there right now is guys, animation canceling is the worst. And then followed by another one saying guys like weaving and animation canceling is the best part about this game. And then it's like constant back and forth. People saying this is the worst, this mm -hmm. is the best, this is the worst, this is the best. This is a nice way of, instead of them just ripping it out and adding <laughs> something like uh, the way you get away from animation canceling is you add a global cooldown to a game. Like uh, other games do that. I believe I think, Guild Wars does mm -hmm. it, WoW does it, where basically you cast a spell and then you can't do anything else for a set period of time until something else happens. And that is something that the ESO devs have, I would say pretty much always, but certainly consistently over the past two years, said they don't like global cooldowns. Yeah, they, they didn't didn't wanna, like they've said they don't want to add it. They don't want to add it, but they also understand that there are some issues with weaving not not weaving itself it's the animation canceling being intuitive to new players it doesn't quite make sense for a lot of people a lot of people if you're new you see it attack and then you want to hit your next attack and then you want to hit your next attack it's not till you get a lot further into the game that you really understand like 
your attack actually will trigger at a certain part of that animation, not necessarily right when it happens. So, mm. and you it's cool stop for... hitting Sorry. the X button in the middle of the of the animation. Yeah, stop the animation. I mean that that's not it's not choice. intuitive to new players. However, a lot of new players also do it like on the other side of that argument you do it without noticing it because people just spam buttons that's what people do very frequently in video games so this seems like a nice way to deal with that issue a little bit smoother than just flat out removing it and adding a global cooldown it's interesting from a technical gameplay perspective for sure mm -hmm. but the part of me that likes this to be a world that i can understand i don't love it particularly like i don't like that I can swing a sword and sort of stop right here as it barely scratches the person and then suddenly an ability explodes and then my shield's up. Like, yeah, it doesn't really make sense if I try to think about it purely as an in-universe thing, mm -hmm. even if it is interesting and kind of cool how someone can... Like, Smash Brothers is really, really interesting, the technical things they do, but if I tried to think about that as an actual fantasy world, it would break. And ESO, I think of more as a world and less as the gameplay systems. There was another thing that they talked about. So they introduced, well, I think they introduced the concept of medium attacks. I've never heard that term until I was reading this. I post. also have never heard that term before. It's but not it, new. Yeah, but it does. Okay. It exists, but I've never heard them called medium attacks before. Yeah. And so that they're saying that when you're doing a medium attack and that's just as you're charging, but before it gets to full charge, there'll be an increasing damage threshold. So it'll start like here and go up here until you get to full heavy attack status. And they also are making it so that all three types of attacks interact with off balance. Mm -hmm. So if you light attack an off balance player now, you will regenerate way more resources than you would before. So your first attack will be like it's your third attack during normal times. So you regenerate, regenerate way more resources. And then medium attacks, I think, have an increased damage boost. And heavy attacks do the same, but then you get the same knockdown that you're used to in the current game. So it sounds like they're extending how off-balance works and giving you more opportunities to interact with it, which also sounds really cool. Yeah, so I really suggest people go to the PTS and test it out if you're curious about it. I don't know. I, 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 This one is interesting, and I like the way that they're rolling it out. It's a really good from a communication point of view that they're just saying, hey, we're just testing this out, guys. It don't. It's not necessarily coming. They say a number of times in that article being like, hey, this may never see the light of day, and that's okay. We're just experimenting with things, but we need more people to test it out. So if you can go to the uh, PTS, if you have access to it, I highly suggest going in and just trying it out. See if it feels weird. I imagine for me, like if, if you're just a player that does primarily like questing and stuff like that, I bet you're not going to see too much of a difference other than it might be a little bit easier to go through. Um, but where this will really make a difference is the people that are doing the vets and pushing trial numbers and things like that. So. I think it'll be way more intuitive for new players because when I think doing damage, I think I'm going to do heavy attacks and that's just not yeah. how you actually play the game. In my head, but, I think that too. Like I remember that was confusing for me when I first started playing, like you get used to it well, pretty quickly, but another thing that's quite interesting is that the concept of a heavy attack being to regenerate resources that was in terms of the game only a few patches ago that that was the change. Prior to that, I think it may have been light attacks to regenerate resources. 
Did they? I don't remember them ever. Way, way, way back. I'd have to go through, through ancient patch notes. I'll have to look that um, up. I don't remember ever them being for regenerating, but maybe. Anyway, I hope that people will try it out and the relearning will probably be rough, but give it a legitimate chance because I think it sounds way better, at least as a concept, and hopefully it's just a matter of them refining it. I think it would be better. Are you remembering in 2016, Light Attacks uh, built up Ultimate and Heavy Attacks re stored resources was how it used to work. So, so sorry, say that again? Light Attacks generated Ultimate Mm -hmm. uh, and heavy attacks re uh, restore resources. Oh, okay. So maybe that's... Hmm. I thought it was shorter than that. We'll have to see. Interesting. Uh, at some point when I can be bothered to go yeah. through. Yeah. That's the earliest one I can ancient. find back from 2016. So we'll have to keep looking for that later. But yeah, so that's kind of the new thing that they're testing out. Um, but as I'm saying, I'm glad that they're just testing it out and showing us. They could very well see this and say like, hey, no, this is this didn't work or they could be like everyone could try it and be like oh yeah actually no it kind of works so we'll see what the numbers look like on that but something something just just to emphasize as well is that the the pts is update 25 with this change yes yes so, it's so you can make an absolute direct comparison between live and pts awesome so do it did anybody play legends this week at all Lara lost Nope. No, no. So they had they a... did have a gauntlet. Uh, it, it's actually a new type of gauntlet. It's called the odd gauntlet, and so you can only play cards with um, odd numbered magic costs. Like if it costs, you know, three magic or five, and so forth. I wonder if next week they'll have the even gauntlet. Maybe we'll we'll predict it now. We'll say next week is the even <laughs> gauntlet. Uh, so make sure you join in on Friday so you have a chance to play the even gauntlet, <laughs> and we'll see if that holds up. Um, really should ask them to announce gauntlets sooner. It would be great to be able to tell people about them before they happen. There's... And people could theorycraft longer. That's true. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, no new Blades news this week. Um, but another news, uh, Grand Old Games, also known as GOG, um, has general sales Actually, on it's GOG. just GOG now. Like, the, they don't have... They don't call it, it Grand Old Games anymore? anymore. It was, it was good, old good, games, good old games. Good old games, that's what it was. No, they they it removed it. It's just GOG. Oh, that is what it did stand for, but because they sell current games now too, True. Yeah, they changed it. Um anyways, uh they're offering fifty they're offering a lot of sales and free games right now. Uh but in Elder Scrolls specific news, they're offering fifty percent off on a lot of the titles. Um everything from Battlespire, Redguard, all the way up to Oblivion. Uh, it looks like it's about 50% off. Some of them are like 49%. Some of them are 51%. I think it's just to make them look nice and rounding. Uh, so we'll post that link in the chat there, or it'll be in the show notes later, which you'll be able to find on the wiki. Haha. <laughs> uh, to be able to go in there and try that. Um, Grab the link. As well, it looks like we have some breaking news about Call to Arms. Sort of. Um. Yeah, call the arms and uh, for the loot crate too. They've just said, you know, do the coronavirus thing and um, supply and everything. Your shipping might be delayed. So, when you does. first started typing call to arms, I my eyes got really wide thinking that they'd put another post out, but no. it was just shipping. Shipping delays. Yeah, I think they all need more so in America. 
areas in the UK, it might not be as affected because they don't shipping overseas. They're shipping, yeah. yeah, from they're shipping from the UK. Yeah. So if you're British and listening, then you may be fine. Oi. I don't know what language or what accent that was supposed to be. That was um, Australian. So <laughs> But that's all of our news for now. I think nothing else we missed. Let's go talk about books. Let's see what do we do now? Right now, Lost, we talk about the books. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, we wanted to have a little bit of a talk about kind of the external books of the game. We talk a lot about the lore books in the game, and that's where a lot of stuff, but in re- more recent years, they've been releasing a lot more actual physical content that we can sink our teeth into, that Alara can copy word for word out of to get every single thing filled out in the wiki about all the books. Like, yeah, she's pulling... <laughs> That was the most like librarian uh, TV moment I've ever seen. We're just pulling up a stack of books and they're all falling on Alara right now. For those of you listening at home, um, I yep, can say that I got too. The whole stack right here. Everybody is probably listening at home because nobody's going anywhere. Um, but yeah, so, currently at a concert. Currently at a concert. Yeah, so there's a lot of content. I know I have a bookshelf here. I've got all of my. Um, Tales of Tamriel on there. I've got the collector editions books. I've got my audio copies of the novels. There's lots of things that you can actually go into. So we figured mm-hmm. we'll give you guys a little bit of a primer on what all there is out there that you can get if you want to get some outside, like non-game lore and information there. So let's start with Lost, because you've... Did, was it you that built the um, legend for this? Yeah. Okay, can you explain your legend? Okay, so there's only the one. I basically grouped it by game or the appropriate game around which the content came out. And then I just put my own notes about each one. And so if only one thing was tied to the game, then it's there. Otherwise, I nested them. And then I had the one symbol at the beginning, LB, meaning it's just a lore book compilation. So we'll cover those when we get to it. Very, very cool. Well, why don't we get it started with the books in Arena? So I'll let Lost cover that one, and then we'll pop over and let somebody else talk about some of the other ones. So one, every Elder Scrolls game is going to have a user's guide, I guess, up recently. So we're not really going to have those. That's things like basic how-to-play stuff and controls and all that sort of thing. Sometimes little lore tidbits in them, but yeah. There can be, and especially older games, the art of the guidebook or the user guide. No, what's it called? Player's manual. The player's manual was an art back in the day, and now it's basically not a thing anymore. But they're still worth checking out. The other book that came out for Arena is called the Codex Scientia. I presume that's Scientia. the correct name. Scientia. Scientia sounds right. I just said Ia, and you're just sort of abbreviating it slightly. You're just <laughs> slurring it more. Yeah, so that book is a sent. Bethesda self-published their own player guides. So the sort of thing that you go to Prima for, well, people used to go to Prima for, for their full guides on what the game is like. Wait, does Prima exist in like the new digital world anymore? So here's Prima still exists in the digital versions, yeah. yeah they says they went bankrupt, though. Really? 
something oh. like that. As far as Elder Scrolls, I know that they did like a Morrowind and Somerset uh, expansion yeah. tree. So I remember those. Yeah, but I'm wondering if like they're yeah. I guess they're probably just not relevant anywhere. They're just not as big a thing because the internet makes getting that information so much easier. Whereas back in the day, you needed guides. Well, not needed. Those were the place you went to to find all of those intense details. And then but anyway, you found Bethesda, they were often wrong. Well, yeah, that happens sometimes. Bethesda now used to publish like their UESP. own, though. <laughs> yeah, now you got stuff like UESP. I mean, for Elder so, Scrolls, you've always basically had UESP. So. True. <laughs> if you had good internet. But it wasn't always a wiki, though, so you still had that to contend with. The documentation's become more complete over time. Anyway, that book is really, really cool. If you get any Elder Scrolls project product on GOG, they give you a copy. The games are free anyway, but they also include all of the documentation and books and stuff that went along with them. So you get the Codex Scientia as a PDF for free if you get any Elder Scrolls thing on GOG. Hints and tips stats about the different monsters it gives you maps for all of the dungeons and formula for how things are calculated in the game it talks about diseases talks about holidays there's just tons of information packed into it and it's mostly like a reference rather than a lore document but there's still pieces that are thrown in it's really fun i recommend checking it out if you ever grab something on gog for it uh that said i do remember it was either arenas or dagger falls where we were reading through it and we noticed like all of the major tables had information wrong. <laughs> I th think that there might be an issue with some of the XP charts, but it's sort of like they got it close, but then the actual calculations ended up weird. And maybe there's something with the diseases because I think it sometimes shows stuff that was intended but wasn't always made into the game. So I think they list a few extra diseases you can't actually get. Something like that. See, that was always the problem with Prima Guides, and I'm just speaking generally as a gamer, um, is that they were often based on pre-release versions. Yeah, and then they and, Yeah, and just about every Prima Guide I've ever bought has got mistakes because it was... And, they were correct at the time, but then they weren't. They weren't changed. Um, one of my, I I've probably told this story before, but the moment I stopped trusting Prima at all was I had I was given a guide for this game, and I was playing on the highest difficulty. I was having, I got through almost all of it. I was on like the second to last level when I finally just hit a wall. Like literally, like ten hours of trying could not beat this level. So I finally broke i looked at the guide i realized just from a number they gave you for a time limit because they changed to the time limit for this level depending on the difficulty that they wrote the guide on the easiest difficulty oh my god <laughs> oh no oh well uh, yeah. kind of makes it difficult to actually judge anything from them yeah. um but yeah so akb do you want to go over what kind of the Daggerfall chronicles were because I've actually the never read any of these early ones. I think the earliest one that I've actually read would be the Pocket Guide to the Emperor, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Uh, the Daggerfall Chronicles is also on GOG, as our good pal Lust and Tamriel said. It has the timeline, lore about gods, Daedra, Royals, game mechanics, and including multiple endings. That said, uh, I th this was... Uh, 
I think the only one we haven't really ported anything useful from it over there. Like, I think we do have one detail. So in the guide, when it talks about the different endings that can happen, it discusses an ending that isn't actually available in the game. The uh, you, you die ending. Yeah, the you die ending. <laughs> but that ending does seem like it might have been considered when they wrote the warp in the West later on in Morrowind. So there are details in it that seem relevant, but I don't know if there's anything that's a complete standout. Still, all the different guides, all the mechanics, if you like getting to the nitty gritty of stuff, it's definitely worth checking out. I do want to say, like, from what I remember from them, the manual, the actual just manual for Daggerfall went over most of the same stuff anyway. Like, there was an era of gaming where game manuals just were giant thick booklets that were very informative. This was more like a hints guide. Like, the manual yeah. went like, oh, here's the lore. Uh, and then you'd have the hints guide for, oh, you don't know how to play our game. Here's how to play our game, idiot. I remember when, yeah. like, tutorials just didn't exist, and you basically, you had to read the manual. If you didn't read the manual, you just wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't know how to actually, like, jump in a game. I remember cracking open the game on the way home from the store and starting to read the manual before you got home. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. It was such a good feeling. (laughs) It really was. They should do that with Steam and, like, while the game's downloading, give you, like, a manual to read through. Absolutely. They should um, modernize it, like, give you, like, a little, like, lore introduction. Because that's what the manuals are good for. I agree with that. Okay. We've solved gaming. Uh, Doc... Doc, uh, Gaben, give us a call. Yeah. Yeah, our ideas are after licensing. Um, so, and then the, the Battlespire one. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that because I, I know I will not do it properly. Alara, do you the, know how to pronounce that? Um, Athenium? I don't know. Seems right. That's what I would go with. Um, so... The Battlespire Athenium. Yeah, it sounds yeah, It's got too many vowels is the problem. It's true. Um, so who's read through this one? Uh, I've read the lore tidbits from it. Uh, we have those on the wiki because we at some point were told, hey, you want to take the lore tidbits? Feel free to repost them. Yeah, uh, that one isn't available on GOG, sadly, but we do have apparently the most relevant bits that we've pulled over just from a lore perspective, but none of the gameplay guide stuff. Uh, yeah, the, the boxed... Uh... The original packaging of Battlespire does have an ad for it, which has like a sample page. I didn't that's, bring that with me uh, for this show, but that said, that. Uh, the Athenium you really don't need the guide for, since there are online guides. Battlespire isn't a game with really any surprises. Every game will play the same. Like, I mean, you've got randomized loot, but yeah, but everything is very new. Yeah, it plays the same. Plays uh, the Lord Tidbits have some interesting things in it. Like, it explains more about the Battlespire, what's happening, what's happening Ooh. with the world before and after. Very uh, important big... point that we only recently sort of rediscovered. The Battlespire is in Aetherius, which I, is... I thought everyone knew a, that. Not a commonly known detail. For a long time on the wiki, it said that it was in a slipstream between Oblivion and Mundus. And it said that long before ESO. And then there was an ESO Lore Masters archive that 
I guess, officialized the word slipstream realm, but still it's a little unclear. But it's in a theorist. So now we know that, and we have to reshape all of our theories around that fact, which I like. I like upending tea tables. And also, Bellsphere uh, was the first game to really set the whole... I want to say actual myth arc, like you could see the hints of, oh, hey, they had an actual plan for what the next games would be going forward. And some of that's talked about in the Athenium. Like you can talk, uh, there's a scene in it where Oriel oh, yeah. Septim the seventh is talking with you and you explained what the hell happened during Bowspire. And he's basically going like, yeah, so he's definitely going to try to invade uh, Tamriel. <laughs> And when, um, yeah, when Dagon comes back, he'll count us among his most cherished enemies. They knew where they were going with that, which is awesome. Yeah, it's very nice for building stuff. So you can check out those things on that page. Any of those lore excerpts, just none of the guide stuff. But if someone finds it, please let us know. I'm sure there's really cool stuff in there, too. But also, don't worry about the guide. We don't actually need it. Well, yeah, we, we don't need... Like, we don't need the Daggerfall Chronicles in order to write a walkthrough for Daggerfall because we'll just do it through trial and error and our exhaustive documenting desires. But it's still nice to have it. Awesome. So that's Battlespire. But then, then so Red, Red Guard's kind of the big one where it kind of was like a bit of a turning point, which is funny because Red Guard is one of the most universally disliked of all the games. That <laughs> So here's a big preface that needs to be understood. Was I interrupting your prefacing this preface? No, your preface for my preface actually fits in perfect. So, <laughs> here's what you need to understand about Redguard. Um, it was the first real major shakeup in the team up until that point, and it was also the first major jump in gameplay style. Like Balspire had a bit of one. Redguard was we're throwing everything out the window. We're trying things completely differently. The big thing about that was they also went like, well, we're also going to rewrite the whole world. And honestly, reading through some of the developers' comments about this, some of it was kind of just vindictive. Like, they rewrote stuff just to piss off other people. It it was a whole mess. Yeah. Never read about that. Uh, so Redguard, though, came with a booklet. They were like, here's all the information about Damriel you need. Like this Behold. explains all the different people. <laughs> These are all the different lands. These yeah. are the major factions and all that. So Which yeah, it, it was it was the, like the, the first few pages of that are just the user's manual. Yeah. And then the rest of the book is the pocket guide to the Empire first edition. And the conceit of that book is really, really cool. Like I don't know who else has read it, right? Everyone else has read it, hopefully. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yes. that, this is on the wiki. Yeah, uh, the Empire one and three are definitely required reading. So the the Pocket Guide is obviously a book written about the Empire for the Empire, and it's written in a way to point out that it's propaganda, and it's got footnotes written throughout it, like scribbled in the margins by a person who's associated with the Thalmor, who's basically critiquing it and mocking it because they're like, wow, this is nonsense, or wow, where do they get these ideas? So it yeah, very like, early on, go ahead. Even on the first page, uh, there's a part where it says uh, something about the unchallenged rule of the Cyrodiilic Emperor, and the note says, this remains to be seen. 
<laughs> and uh, mentions uh, a lost elven homeland. And so the note is, so even the humans have heard of old Elnofe. Just stuff like that throughout it. So uh, they there's... started off strong with that unreliable narrator thing where people will claim things, but it's not always quite accurate. Go ahead, Akibi. There's a lot of stuff straight up contradicted, straight up, I want to say not canon anymore. Like, it's stuff that we were like, yeah, this was an idea, but they clearly dished it. Um, for example, this is one, I don't think it was, I think this is actually third. Ed- no, the it was uh, this Cyrodiil one. Is what you're going? Jungle of Cyrodiil yeah. was from this book. <laughs> uh, they had an alternate spelling for Vivek, V-I-V-E-K. Uh, they talked about the tribunal like no one really believed they ever existed in the first place. A bunch mm. of really weird things that they were clearly playing with it. They didn't know exactly where they were going with yet. And they obviously were changing things on the fly. Uh, that said, reading through this, keep in mind that the world as we see it is probably always going to be the strongest canon. Like, people always talk about uh, Jungle Cyrodiil, about how that's a giant betrayal, when at the same time, the same book that introduced Jungle Cyrodiil has them talk about the tribunal as if it wasn't an actual thing. It was just something the Dunmer made up. <laughs> uh, a person in chat, uh, E most sovereign lady, just pointed out most continuity errors can be explained incredibly simply. Then they fired that guy. That is very accurate. <laughs> That's quite good. I like that. That's like most things in life, actually. It's like, yeah, someone wrote something down. They were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. This is also where that lecture of the main comes from. Uh, let me. Here it is. The one that's nothing but fur. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. Is, he's just a hairball. <laughs> that's so is that funny. cousin thing or something like that from the Adams family? Cousin it. Cousin, cousin it. it. Thank you. Thing was something else. That was the hand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I haven't um, seen that in a very long time. Redguard so had Redguard had other things though. Oh, nice uh, segue at the same time. I think we we're even going to say the same thing. Um, but Red- Redguard yep. did have a couple other um, kind of companion things to it. So Lost, do you want to talk about what those companion uh, pieces were? So highly recommended is called The Origin of Cyrus. It is a comic book, one one episode, one issue of a comic book, which isn't a real comic book, unfortunately. It says, I think it's like issue 24 or something like that. And they have like a Q&A section where people have written in letters asking questions about the comic, even though, again, they're not actually real comics. No. <laughs> so it's a very cool idea and it's a cool story. Because uh, we have it. We have it hosted on the wiki. And mm-hmm. the version on the wiki is full color. Yeah, that was released, I believe, on the official Elder Scrolls website later on. Originally, it was part of the Redguard manual as well. Yeah. So, okay. so, so the version you've got there is black and white. Yep. Yeah, but there was a version online that was but full color. But there was a full color version as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they colored it much later. I bet they just didn't want to print it in color because at the time, printing in color was very expensive. <laughs> oh, possibly. I bet so that, that was really cool. It yeah, goes yeah, through right, and tells like the preamble to who Cyrus is and what the setup is for the game Redguard. So definitely worth checking out because, again, it's free. Yeah, it's on the wiki. So, yeah, so apparently it's written by Michael Kirkbride, pencils by John Pearson, inks by Hugh Riley, colors by Louise Sandoval. And in the 
grey version, Louise Sandoval was credited with tones rather than colours. <laughs> and it was let, lettered with Comic Sans, because back in back in <laughs> 1998, that was an appropriate font to use for comics. It was a comic, it makes sense. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's four comics without serifs, right? That's what that means? Yep. Okay. It's, yeah. I remember I read that um, on the wiki a long time ago before I had anything to do with the wiki, as you know what I mean. When I was, when I was just a user. <laughs> sure. Uh, Redguard. Really it is really good. Like, it paints him as a very interesting. Definitely am excited to play Redguard when I get around to it in the timeline. <laughs> Uh, there's also the Red Guard Companion. That's, again, Bethesda's self-published game guide, but we don't have a copy of it. It doesn't come on GOG, so I don't really know what it covers, but again, it should just be a full walkthrough like any other game guide. Yeah, I think it was it... There There was someone from the US, UASB who does have a copy. Was it Dylan, maybe? But it did He's reveal the Red some... Guard guy. Yeah, it did reveal some things that we didn't know about the game previously, even interesting little details like, you know, what's this a statue of? Well, it's a statue of, I think, RK or, you know, stuff like that. Oh, cool. So that's about all I know of it. A one I hope to see at some point in the future. Maybe GOG will add it to its goodies bag with Redguard. I would love that. Yeah. So next up with Morrowind is the one where I kind of came into the series. Um, Morrowind prophecies, which Alara is holding up. Morrowind prophecies. Oh, you got art of art of Morrowind there. So that's the first in the show notes. So. Yes. Uh, well, I was I was saying the Morrowind prophecies was the one I remember buying directly when I like I bought it with the game at the same time. It might even have been a bundle deal, um, which was really awesome. But yeah, the Mo art of Morrowind came with the collector's edition. Has some really interesting concept art in it. Um, I wish I never bought the collector's edition, so I don't. I never owned it, but you can see all of it on the Imperial Library, um, which is really really awesome. Um, it's Alara, it's weird, but very cool. Yeah, it's some wild concept art. Like they had the original Guar. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, the four legs Guar. What's the the original Guar? Yeah, I didn't remember. That. I looked it for about half much of it better today. and had four legs. Like four legs it walked on, not just like the little tiny T-Rex arms. Yeah, it's in there. There's a lot of cool things in there. Um, the Morrowind Prophecies was really interesting. I remember that was like the... Going through that book was like... It felt like I was on an adventure. There it is. That's supposed to be a guar. Oh. It looks like the bear mount. Yeah, and Beartron's got the Morrowind Prophecies does. too. An incredible creature. They should still have that in, even if it's not a gore. They really should introduce look at, it. Look fine. at this world map. I know the world I mean, maps just, were so funny because they just yeah. Look at it. Yeah, and these are scamps and an ogrim on the other page. Nice. Yeah. That ogrim's ridiculous. He's way too big. They can call them rhino gores. And there you it, go. it's listed as clan fear daddy in parentheses. Clan fear daddy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call lost from now on. <laughs> Clan fear daddy? daddy. Yeah. I mean, Why? Just, what do I have to do with clan fears? All these numbered locations in the in the Morrowind prophecies. Yeah. Can you see all of these? There's like I'm on a page, right? And it's it's Ghostgate. Ghostgate map locations. It's got 34 numbered numbered locations. It would show you one grid square. Yeah. It would show you. Good job writing it. Every single location for every single like unique item in the game. 
Yeah. So it's I remember, here. yeah, using that to find out where like a Daedric Crescent was, I believe was one of them and finding out who held this one. And it was like, which with Morrowind was incredibly useful because literally like the questing system was like, how do I, what do I do for this quest? The quest giver is like, I don't know. I turned left at a big tree somewhere and then I walked for like a day and a half. And then after that, I ran into a rock. So when you get the rock, turn around and walk around again for about an hour and you'll see somebody standing beside a tree. And that's who you need to talk to. Like, that's what your journal entries would show you. So you'd be like, oh, cool. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do right now. And then if you like took a break and then came back to play, you're like, oh, cool. I'm never going to finish this because I don't remember where I was when I picked it up. Um, so the Prophecies book was real, like, that and UESP were like the only reason I ever actually finished the main story for Morrowind was having those it's, extra resources there because I had absolutely no way of being able to complete them without them. It's written by Peter Olofsson and edited by Pete Hines, and it's just so comprehensive. It's just tables and tables and yeah. tables and maps and it's maps thick. and maps. Pete and... Hines edited the game guide for Morrowind. That's really cool. Yep. And it's just got so much stuff. Now, I actually picked this up secondhand when Elder Scrolls Online Morrowind became a thing because suddenly there were all these Daedric shrines, funny names, and I needed to be able to find them and understand where they were. And I picked this up about the time that we were working on the the hidden wiki because we were allowed by uh, Byzos to... to to do that to to get the information online but just not available published to the public. Yeah. yeah yeah and that was about when i got this and it was so useful but it's just, you look at this and it's they've never done anything like it since because i suppose because we do it for them maybe i don't know so so bethesda this is the last game guide that bethesda made and then prima takes over for any other published yeah. guide from that point. Uh, this one, the Morrowind Prophecies, is also included if you get Morrowind on GOG. Just look how thick it is. Just look at it. It's, it's included it's... on GOG? Yep. I want and remember, Morrowind stuff. is half off right now if you get it on GOG. Also, so the like USB guide is still better anyway. Do I need a fifth copy of Morrowind? Probably. You could always give the copy of Morrowind to someone and just keep the guide. True. <laughs> Yeah, I might actually do that. Um, awesome. Yeah, so Morrowind had some really great ones too. Um, Oblivion ones were interesting um, because it came out with the third edition of the Pocket Guide to the Emperor Empire. Yes. Not so the nice, second we edition. the second one. <laughs> and Alara's holding up. That one's actually... Well, it's a Pocket Guide. Of course it's small. I don't know why I'm suppressed. That is appropriate. That's the appropriate it, size for a book called the pocket, pocket Guide. Yep. It all makes perfect sense. <laughs> So that one they went through, and obviously it's in lore supposed to be the second time they've revised the guide to the to Tamriel, and this time it's got a seemingly more objective writing style. It's much less heavy-handed as being propaganda, and there's no Thalmor notes in it explaining why everything in it is wrong. I still think we get the impression that sometimes it's a little bit off, and we're just going to call it imperial bias. But on the whole, it's a much more balanced look at Tamriel. So if you're just getting introduced and you like reading, then this would probably be a fun primer on what Tamriel is all about. And that one also is available entirely on the wiki. Yes. If you want to find somewhere that has mm -hmm. it. Yes, it's 
definitely like after they calmed down between the Red Guard era to Morrowind to Oblivion, like the third pocket, uh, the third pocket guide is definitely the okay. We have to actually have something straight written about this world now. It's definitely more authoritative in my book. Uh, it's they no longer felt they had to upend everything. They they, they didn't have to. In their world. Yeah. Yes, they didn't have to upend everything. They didn't feel like they had to constantly introduce contradictions. It was just, hey, these are facts about our world that since we're a group of people whose job is to write facts about our world, we can do. And we'll mostly it's, get them right. It's much, as far as uh, writing goes for the Elder Scrolls, it's some of the most fun and at the same time informative. Recommended. I like it a lot. Yes. There's lots of cool little details to pick out. And lots of those end up coming back in some form whenever you eventually see a thing for real. Yes. So after Oblivion, the thing that they moved on to was a gap spreading between Oblivion and Skyrim where they wrote the novels, which I know I talked about recently, but they wrote two novels that are just two parts of the same story. The Infernal City and Lord of Souls and Alara's holding up those oh. books. They're pretty like the covers are pretty. I like the way they look. <laughs> yeah, they are both books that definitely were written and exist in a physical world. <laughs> yeah, they are that. I think that they're pretty good. I had quite a bit of they're fun. fun. Reading them. I, I thought they that's were how I would describe books. them. Yeah, they're they're enjoyable reads. Um, when I read through them, I read through them whenever they came out, which was long before I was even involved with the UESP <laughs> or the podcast. Um, they were enjoyable reads. They felt. The the feeling I got from the books is that the author felt chained to the lore, and they had they felt like they had to fit a lot of uh, the stuff into a story that they wanted to tell regardless. If that makes sense, hmm. like it was, it felt more like this is a story that the author wanted to tell, and then they made it fit within the Elder Scrolls. Right. That's the way I felt when I read it. Huh. I but, thought it felt very Elder Scrollsy. And the, like when there were little nods to other small details, I didn't feel that they were too forced. I thought it felt pretty natural. Okay, but I, I can understand why I think that. Read them as such. I borrowed a copy and flicked through because I needed to check some. Uh, I was writing a story, uh, fan fiction, about Oblivion and the time immediately after. Mm -hmm. I needed to check some details in the book, and when yeah. I flicked through it, it didn't seem that great to me. But it's not the best book. It's yeah, not Lord first... of the Rings. No, but it was yeah, Lord of the Rings. Well, what was I first that, them When I first read them, it was only having played a bit of Skyrim, and um, it felt okay. I mean, it didn't... A lot of it takes place, you know, in a different realm, really not Tamriel itself, but, I mean, being a little bit more familiar with the series, I think I enjoy them a bit more. Yeah. And but, I, so if, if there's any other, you know, books of this sort, I would like to see one that is more, you know, firmly set in the world. Yeah, and when I say kinda, didn't, oh, here's the thing, it kind of is in the position like, you know what? This was a nice uh, entrance for the writer into the series. I can't wait to see what he starts writing once he yeah. uh, knows the setting better. And That's 100% how I felt. 
Yeah, that's 100% how I felt. It was like, that's okay, fair. this is getting ready to tell more stories in this world. Like, it's setting up scenes. It's setting up kind of emotions, which actually is something that I really crave with The Elder Scrolls. We've talked about before that I would love more character development that you could really build a story on. Like, that's one of the advantages. Yeah. Like, The Witcher has Geralt and Ciri and Yennefer, who are these characters that you can really attach to and grow and, like, form a, like, literary bond with. Whereas The Elder Scrolls doesn't really have that same... I don't know the thoughts of a character and what they're doing behind scenes and how things led up to certain things. You just have these little tidbits from the games that you can really find out. And you have bigger characters like the Daedric Princes and stuff like that that you learn more about. But I would love that more like character development of somebody who I can like serious what would be great with the Red Guard. But yeah, I do wonder why they've done those two novels. Um, One was published in 2009 and the other in... 2011 and they just did two story two novels and that was it i don't believe they sold particularly well i think that's probably the main reason that they didn't do more of them well they would sell one more copy this time if they started selling them at least because i would definitely be grabbing them when they came out yeah yeah um i mean especially with stuff based in skyrim and if i remember yeah skyrim introduced me to the people to the series I think, well, any book right now would be, I think probably it would do a lot better. But yeah, like I said, especially if it takes place in Skyrim, that's something that people. This was also a trend at the time. I'm just looking up some dates to pull out here because I remember at the same time, like it was 2008, I think it was, is Diablo was having novels written for the series. And Warcraft was having novels written for the series that were outside of the games and telling stories that the games didn't tell. So I'm I'm wondering if part of it was just like the, hey, they're doing these things. We should probably do it, too. Let's try Guild Wars it out. 2 had theirs come Guild out Wars leading 2. up to 22. Yeah. yeah. They kind There's of, like... Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's just like that was kind of a marketing trend at the time. Because remember, 2009 was social media was in its infancy and like things were just Facebook posting at that time. Like it wasn't as marketing was a very different world back then. So they would use things like this to market and that's not as popular anymore. So makes sense, which is sad because I would definitely like, I know. Yeah. I'm Mm. the same way. I highly recommend them. I know some people had some things say it's okay, but I, I think that you them. would not be upset. Like 15 bucks to get two paperback books, I don't think you'd be disappointed. I, I do have problems with them. I've said before. Spelling um, errors got to me. Stuff like that, yeah. Uh, my main problems, really, though, is the fact, like, why do all these other settings get books and we don't? Mm-hmm. Like, I found the novels, it, like, though. some of them are like, oh, yeah, you know, the Halo setting. It has, like, a dozen or so uh, companion novels like World of Warcraft. Oh, yeah, we get 25 uh, companion yeah. novels. Um, Doom, I think there's been like nine or so. Um, Guild Wars, like every setting has a lot of companion novels, and all we got were these two. It's only three for Guild Wars. Three? Okay. I do think yeah. I enjoyed those a little bit better than I enjoyed the Elder Scrolls ones, though. Yeah, I imagine also there's a the, lot the of... Also, the Guild Wars ones are all independent. I was going to say, I, I mean, imagine there was a the lot thing, of... Also, the thing, like... 
there's a lot of good writing in Elder Scrolls games. Like there's games filled with, sh- there's a lot of short stories that are very expertly written. Like the pocket guides are very fun reads. Well, if those are extended to a more authoritative and longer format, like just guide to the empire, like fully written, like 300 page book, I'm sure it would do very, very well. That's the Among difference those. here though. Yeah. Like when you look at, this is more inside baseball to things like this, but your markets will be very different for what they're looking for in external content. A lot of, so like, for example, World of Warcraft, when you bring that up, that they have 25 novels, that is a very debated thing in that community because there are a number of people that are very against them developing story outside of the games. There's a lot of people that will get angry about that and don't want that. So it's it's a hard balance to form where people are like, well, I want to know all the story from within the game. I don't want to have to buy a separate book to get the story that continues these two expansions or things like that. But it's also probably like we say that it would do very well, but I'm, the books didn't do very well. And it could be because the author didn't work as well in that setting. It could be because it just wasn't marketed properly. There's a hundred thousand different reasons of why they didn't do well, but that just comes down to the point of just, they didn't do well. So they're probably not going to make more that also aren't going to do well. But moving on, Skyrim had a few books for it, but they were different. They had the Prima Guide, which I never got. I don't get it. it. Yeah, I I just happened to get it because the person who was selling the collector's edition of Skyrim on eBay just threw it in. So amazing. Yeah. Um, They're fun read throughs. Like, there's nothing too exciting in the prima guys yeah. everybody who's seen the prima the guy knows thing, what they are yeah i think the only thing really that stood out to me was that it had like some backstory of like some of the thieves of the characters that wasn't like in the game i wonder oh, yeah. you know how the, canon that is but it was interesting but yeah the rest of it is yeah stuff you can find on the wiki um but then they also have released an art book again with the collector's edition um which i think alara is going to dig for there to show off a little bit um, and then, so some of my favorite books, which I actually don't have a copy of right now, I lent them to a friend who then moved away. So I imagine I will never see those again. Um, uh, but they had the Skyrim <laughs> library, which was really cool. It's kind of a compendum of lore books from within the game that tells this little stories that you can go and read through. And they did something similar later. We'll talk about in ESO as well, but they're beautiful books they're fun they're like fun they're well illustrated with different not quite concept art but they're like illustrated to tell the story some of them are actual concept art that you can see in the art book but some of them are yeah brand new illustrations as well but those are nice like we don't have to go over the story because most of them are just collections of the different lore books that you would Mm -hmm. see in the game itself which was cool to have like a nice physical copy of them yeah, I don't think those books have any text that you can't see inside an Elder Scrolls game, but it puts exactly. it into a physical form yeah. and has lots of cool art and production quality and all that stuff. Yeah. Was so that works? one came in three volumes, right? Is it three separate yeah. books? It's three separate yeah, books. Yeah, there's three. And then a fourth book came out, which was not part of that trio called Lords of the Daedra, but same thing, art and... Oh, it was yeah. a smaller book. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah, so this is from uh, the Loot... Great. So it's, yeah, same thing, a bunch of just little game. Uh, it includes screenshots, which is kind of interesting. But it's all Dagon bigger. from Oblivion. Look at him. Yep. <laughs> same thing, yeah. 
but this it and yeah, it was labeled as a Skyrim tie-in. Oh, that's so but cool. Checking yep. out Tremora, or is that Sanguine? That's Sanguine. Okay, cool. And Molagbal from Oblivion, uh, Vermina uh, from Skyrim. So Skyrim had some nice touches and some very pretty stuff you could look at, but nothing like cool and additional to add on to the universe, really, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, ESO actually so did get into things. that. So many <laughs> things. So there's like, f I think, four different main things that came out as the game was coming out, or at least really close to the beginning. So one of my favorites is the Improved Emperor's Guide to Tamriel. So it's the same thing as a pocket guide, essentially. But because that empire hasn't formed, this is somebody else doing it. I think he's working for the potentate to do it. No, that's not right. I'm getting the timeline wrong. Ignore it. Yeah. Anyway, he's going around to make a guide to Tamriel. Same thing. But it also has him with like a journal or a story of the experience he was having as he traveled to deal with all these things. And so it intersperses factoids with story in those places. And it's really, really cool. I highly recommend that one. It's a lot of fun. Oh, I have that. That's what came with the Imperial edition of the yep. Yes, yep. that's right. And Alara had a broken copy. Yeah, oh. it, it was misprinted, right? Yeah. It was yes, yes, my copy was misprinted. It's uh, it, it took out a section of pages. The pages about uh, Somerset Isle, which, of course, being a fan of Altmer, I wanted to see, and it just repeated a previous section. So, oh, right. Did you ever get it replaced? Yes, I did. So, okay. um, it took a little bit to go get to the right people through ESO's customer service, but. Yeah, they had me send my misprinted book to them, and then they sent me a replacement with overnight shipping. So I have a good copy good. now. I'm glad that had a happy ending. I must have it somewhere because I got the Imperial edition, <laughs> and I, I, I was looking at I was just looking at a picture on the wiki, and it's like, oh yes, yes, that book. Yeah, it was good. Then the next one, the Hero's Guide to the Elder Scrolls Online. I don't know that one. So that's three different books. It, I think it came with the collector's edition, if I remember correctly. No, it was a separate purchase. It was purchases. a separate, separate purchase. Okay. So it's these three different books at art information stuff in them directly. All lore based, even though they're sort of written like guides. So the first one is called Agents and Reagents, and all of these have subtitles too. Mm -hmm. And Alara's showing it off. It's like a journal with a around it really with like a leather cover and it's essentially an alchemist's journal i think he's an apprentice and there's two apprentices serving a master and he's just documenting different things but it's also as time progresses there's sort of a story hinted at going on so you get to understand some stuff about it and all of this stuff is immediately around the time of eso and as you know the stuff going on ESO, there's some dark stuff that comes up in some of these stories. But that one's fun. Yeah, By if fun, you're looking I mean to buy still... it now, you basically can't. Um, it looks yeah, like you can I... maybe get it on eBay, but if you go on Amazon, it's like four hundred dollars. So, yeah, it be. was it was like a hundred at its release, and there was only a limited number. Yeah, of eleven thousand. Luckily, there all of these have full text ports on the Imperial Library, so yeah. you can still go and read these, and they show a lot of the art as well, which is pretty cool. 
Um, Gathering Force is another one. That one is a book basically about the armaments that different factions would use. And so it's from a position of an arms master. And again, so intersperses details about the evolving story and the situation they find themselves in in Tamriel. While talking about different champions and their equipment from all sorts of different cultures. So going over all the races and the things they wear. And the last one, who has read I have. Kynes Challenge. Anyone else? Nope. I actually okay. haven't. I didn't realize it was on the Imperial Library. Yeah. On Imperial Library. I yeah. highly recommend this one. I think this is a yeah, this is the best cool of story. And the um, book is itself, just before you even get into that, it's just for nice quality. It's like... Oh, yeah. The physical book is the best on the one. Ooh, gold, uh, what do you call it, leafing? Yes. I don't know what that's Isn't called. That, the gold uh, stuff on the side. Yeah, I thought that's called. The sides of the pages are gold. It's always pretty. <laughs> and this one is about a group of hunters who form because they want to do honor to Kine. And so they travel throughout all of Tamriel hunting down powerful beasts and slaying them. So it's sort of like a guy bestiary thing from the perspective of hunters writing down a journal. The story is also set near ESO, so it's got the evolving situation of Tamriel related to the plane meld. It intersects with the character who wrote the Improved Emperor's Guide. Like, the story that he had comes back and plays a little bit of a role there, and it's fine if you don't know who he is, but if you read that first, then it's kind of cool seeing that interaction. Yeah, seeing that interaction's neat. So I definitely recommend reading both of those books. They're very cool stories in their own right, while just giving lots of details about the world. Awesome. Well, you know what I'm thinking? Here's, here's all of us stuck at home with, uh, without much to do. Perhaps go to the Imperial Library and, st- and read through these books that you mentioned. I'm probably going to do that tonight. They're all there. <laughs> so those are the biggest things at the beginning of ESO. There's also a poster collection that they sent out. I don't really know much about it. It said I've that there were that 40 different posters. Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. So it's well, got I a mean, book with 40 I just have different... that right over here. Go get it. Yeah, she's getting it. It's got 40 different tear-out posters. I don't know if they're all unique or not. I and a lot of are. the art... A lot of the art is visible on DSP. I don't even know if it's unique art, but still, posters, which is pretty cool. Was it Was it loading screen art? Um, uh, um, not exclusively. No, it's, it's a lot of different it. things. Yeah, I yeah, remember I, when this came out. I took some about because I actually um, have some hanging up like in my bedroom, and I had my uh, work cubicle and stuff. But yeah, yeah. So, so some loading screen art, some like mm. character portraits of those main unnamed heroes. Very cool. Yeah, so it's kind of like a cardboard, all of it. Mm. Yeah. And then similar to the Skyrim library, they came out with the Tales of Tamriel books, which is, I think, even the same publisher, same everything on them. They're they're great they look books the to same. read through. They look awesome. Um, or they've got the same the same motif on how they're designed. Yeah, I highly suggest. Yeah, them they were as, announced at the same time. Yeah, I highly suggest them as uh, bookcase books because they look great on a bookcase. Um, they're good for display, and they're fun to read through. Yeah. Like you can look through them and like see all the different art that they have. The Bosmer pages, I remember, particularly were funny because it talked about the there's the one lore book about like the Bosmer eating people and him, them being like wait what is what's going on here and they've got like all the character art of the Bosmer um <laughs> and then for Morrowind chapter when they released that one that came included with um something called the Naru's journal which was a great book um though 
My one Alara's got all of these. I'm very impressed. Yes, yeah. I like the books. I, I do have that one, but it's in the other room. I have that one. And I can't get sitting, to it because I can the almost reach it. Um, <laughs> which it goes through kind of the story of Naryu from the time before the Morrowin chapter starts, but after the base game has ended. So this kind of, so, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like a intermediate story. Yeah, it kind of covers all of the zones that were released between then. So yeah. it's got like stuff about the you know Gold Coast and Hughes Bane from these yeah, guild and, and uh, Dark Brotherhood yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So and talk- then for the next uh, major uh, chapter, they did the same thing, but with Resmdar. Yeah, but it's sort a different size. Thing. So they came and out with the Alanor Codex. And the Alinor Codex does a combo thing. It has Razumdar's journal, which yeah. is a new story. It was sort of as a prelude to the chapter. But it also does the lore book compilation thing, where it's got art and it's got in-game lore books put into physical form. Mm-hmm. Baratron and, and Alara both showing theirs off, which are really cool. Uh, both Naryu's journal and Razumdar's journal are available. The text is available, and they're both pretty interesting stories. Yeah, they're, I enjoy both those characters, so I enjoyed their perspectives on it. They're not as captivating to me as Kind's challenges, but still, they're definitely worth reading. Especially because, again, we're all stuck. You might as well read. I remember I got the Morrowind expansion. It came early for me before I could actually play it, so I spent like a couple of days just reading through Naryu's journal, which was really fun. Um, and they're well written, they're really fun, and they're just beautiful books too. My only complaint is that they're not the same size. What I did with this, because there's these pages at the back that are just lined for your notes. And when I met the devs, I got the devs to, to autograph them. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, oh. That spot. And then when did I meet up with Finn people. sign together? Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah. Finn, not Rich. And Rich, not Finn. Yep. They were, they were together. And then I also got, like, all my friends from the guilds to sign up. So let me, let me just get that bit. Hang on. So yeah, I got a bunch of people to sign it. Oh, that's fun. They were willing yeah. to sign close to each other instead of. I know, but I was trying to get all them. Over the place. I was trying to get them to do the same as the devs and actually write a message, but they all we're, just scribble. We're from names. the wiki. We can't help but have nice ordered tables. <laughs> so you know, I've got very important Dave Dave autograph there, and very nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And then finally, we have the cookbook, which we've mentioned probably more than any of other of the physical <laughs> books on this podcast, because Alara has done a number of streams cooking from it. Lost has regaled his uh, co-workers with tales from the book and different things, so I feel that like... That one's we... also highly recommended. Yeah. Like, everything yes, I've had for good. it has been very good. There was one thing that was just okay good, but and then the details and the writing in the book is also really cool. But wasn't the okay good thing the apple apple cabbage stew? Yeah. Well, I mean, how exciting is apple cabbage stew going to be? I, I guess it can't get that. <laughs> <good>. <laughs> yeah, I think even the uh, author said that she discovered she doesn't like cabbages or something like that. <laughs> she was making that. Yeah, I think that would, if it was the only thing you were eating, it would keep you alive, but I think you would get very, very tired of it pretty quickly. A good amount of salt and it becomes good, but salt makes food taste like so yeah i feel like right now is not hashtag references to my uh skyrim survival stream (laughs) of cabbages didn't you find eating whole cabbages was better than eating food only uh cabbage soup was the cheapest and easiest way to stay alive (laughs) 
I mean, so that funny. tracks. There's some other really good, like the potato bread is like a simple base staple type thing, but I thought it was really, really tasty. I recommend the potato bread. The mushroom sauce is really good. I just sort of had that as putting it on bread. I'm not going to rec- recommend right now getting the cookbook because I'm hearing all these things and then they sound amazing. And then I know I'm not going to have one of the ingredients and I'm not <laughs> just going to go to the grocery store to pick up one ingredient right now. I ordered grains of paradise online. Great. Yeah, I, I couldn't find it in any store. So, yeah, that's not a thing. But apparently the Internet invented it. That's funny. <laughs> um, that book's also cool because it gives it just has a few different sections of slight lore bits, but it's the really mundane kind, which I really enjoy about a setting. So they talk a little bit about basic cooking norms in the different cultures, like about how the Bosmer have a lot of things where they just serve it fresh. So a lot of fresh foods are involved with the way they do things. Um, they talk about one of the ones that just sticks out to me. And I've always remembered is because a lot of orcs live in their strongholds and they've always got forge fires going and there's a lot of communal nature to how they do things. They use their forge fires as communal spits for making their group meals as well. And like that's that's nothing about Daedra. That's nothing about metaphysics. Mm-hmm. That's just a cool little detail that I like that someone thought about for the world. I really mm-hmm. enjoy that. There's also a bit about like different what they what kind of foods they eat during different celebrations too. Different yes. uh, like Heart's Day and stuff like that. The book's great. But yeah, everything I've tried from it has been really really tasty. I've tried all the meads, high nut treats, uh, lavender bread. Um, uh, the spices that they talk about at the what? beginning are just really really good smelling, and mm-hmm. the Nord spiced butter is very very simple but really good on stuff did you do the baked ash yams no i haven't i think those are absolutely phenomenal again you guys should definitely get this book okay. it is worth now it. that i'm starving yeah right yeah. I, I need my burrito now <laughs> no berry cordial uh white river salmon that's probably my favorite recipe wait before, could you uh just off all your favorite foods repeatedly for the next hour. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that because Pylon's really so neat. hungry. Yeah, yeah I'm just hungry. Just talking about dinner yet. Yeah. Well, I that's probably a good place sugar carrots. to end the episode because I think we've gone through all of the different lore books. Uh, so we hope you guys get a chance to check out some of them. Uh, some of them are available online. Some of them are still available for purchase. Other ones you can find just within the games themselves. Um, but yeah, thank you everybody for joining us again for another week of the unofficial Elder Scrolls podcast. I have a, I think we have a very exciting episode next week, but we're not going to talk about it quite yet. Uh, but for now, on behalf of myself, Lost, AKB, Baratron, and Alara, we hope you guys have a fantastic week. Uh, stay safe out there. Don't go outside if you don't need to. Uh, we highly suggest everybody keep healthy, keep safe, and have some fantastic adventures in Nern. Goodbye, everybody.